Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd. Today, inshallah, we will uh, talk about uh, events follow, uh, followed by the uh, invasion of uh, uh, Bani Nadir, the tribe that uh, broke the treaty with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, they tried to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in return to that because they openly basically uh, broke the treaty that uh, they had with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So uh, that tribe uh, was, uh, was allowed to, uh, they had to leave Medina because of that. And uh, they took refuge uh, uh, in the area of Khaybar and uh, surrounding area of Khaybar and some of them even went to Sham. Um, but uh, uh, between the Ghazwat Banu Nadir and uh, all small battles that happened prior to that, before, uh, after Ghazwat Al-Ahad, that uh, actually gave control to Rasulullah and the Muslims uh, 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 a complete authority in Medina and in the surrounding area of the, area of the Medina. So they, they became undisputed, Rasulullah uh, became the undisputed ruler, and uh, uh, the, the hypocrites and the munafiqeen and, uh, and the Bedouins and Mushrikeen, the ones who were popping up here and there, they, uh, they, they saw the, the strength of the Muslims and Rasulullah and the Islamic State there. So they uh, kind of calmed down, uh, whether it was uh, willingly or uh, they were acting as if they, they, are, they were following Rasulullah But uh, as a whole, there was, uh, uh, Rasulullah's authority was undisputedly established there. There were uh, some tribes that they popped up, like uh, Bani Muharib and uh, Thalaba of uh, Ghatafan near, near, near Medina, uh, uh, that Rasulullah said right away sent the army and took care of it. But besides that, in general, uh, the authority was, was there and uh, it was not questioned anymore. Now, uh, of course, uh, the, the Yahud did not sit quietly, the one who were kicked out of Medina because of their rebelliousness. Uh, and we will see that uh, how the Banu Nadir tribe was involved in uh, uh, in causing or starting the Ghazbatul Ahzab. Uh, but prior to Ghazbatul Ahzab, there are a couple of small uh, incidents happened, and uh, uh, one of them was uh, uh, the Ghazbatul Badr Athani, meaning the Ghazbatul Badr, the second Ghazbatul Badr. The reason is called the second because uh, uh, after Uhad uh, Abu Sufyan he actually made this statement to meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the following year again uh, uh, at, the, at the place of the Badr. And uh, the Abu Sufyan, he, he gathered the army of 2,000 uh, soldiers and uh, he, he was heading towards uh, Medina. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because of the, the promise that they had that they will meet in Badr again, uh, Rasulullah also prepared an army of uh, 1500 fighters and uh, he went to the 
uh, went to the spot of the of the Badr, which is actually uh, a, a well of Badr where the first Ghazwatul Badr happened. And while Rasulullah was leaving from Medina, he made Abdullah bin Rabaha radiallahu an as the uh, the person in authority behind him. And uh, as I have pointed out before also, and we can see uh, over the time that Rasulullah whenever he was leaving Medina, because he was the head of the state and uh, uh, he was ruling over the people, whenever he was uh, absent because of the Ghazawat, uh, he, he was leaving uh, a person behind. And, and many a times we find that there were different people uh, at different times. Uh, and that's another uh, aspect of Rasulullah's life that we can see that how he was preparing the Sahaba for different tasks. Uh, and so he was creating leaders for the future as well. It was not as if that uh, he is the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, 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 he is just of his own, will be ruling the people at one point and after that he didn't have to worry about that because he was the last messenger of Allah and that job of uh, the ruling over the people had to be transferred to the uh, to, to the Muslimin after Rasulullah It was not like the way it used to be in the time of Bani Israel, as one of the hadith of Rasulullah talks about that Bani Israel was ruled by the Anbiya, and uh, one and uh, uh, one Nabi used to die, and the other body, Nabi used to take over. Uh, and the hadith wording in the beginning says, "Kana Bani Israel the Susomul Anbiya," that Bani Israel the politics was, or the taking care of the people was done by the Anbiya, by the prophets. And one prophet used to die and the other prophet used to take over. Uh, uh, and the hadith goes on and, uh, and he says that and there will be no prophet after me, he was talking about Rasulullah and uh, there, but there will be Khulafa in big number, uh, in a kathra, in, uh, in abundance. So there will be who will be ruling over the Muslims. So here, Rasulullah of course, he had the two, uh, uh, two, two Mu'awineen in this dunya, which was uh, one of the hadith of Rasulullah talks about that he had two uh, assistants or two uh, wazir. And wazir here does not mean the, in, the, in the context of the ministers today we have. Uh, was he a different meaning in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So uh, those two ministers, uh, those two uh, uh, wazir were Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma. Uh, so they were also prepared uh, right under the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So similarly there were other ashab of Rasulullah sallallahu were also prepared for leadership uh, positions. So as we see in this one, Abdullah bin Rawaha was left behind in Medina to uh, in authority to take care of the affairs of the Ummah while Rasulullah was busy in Ghazwatul Bada Athani. So, uh, so this was the second Ghazwa. So Rasulullah went there and Abu Sufyan, he was uh, heading towards, uh, uh, towards the Badr. And when, they read, uh, uh, when the army of Abu Sufyan reached with 2,000 uh, soldiers uh, to the place called Mar uh, al-Zahran, and that was uh, uh, not far away from Mecca, and they camped for water at a place called uh, Al-Majannah. Um, uh, while they were there, uh, they were already kind of discouraged, the army of uh, Abu Sufyan and Abu Sufyan himself as well. And that season was a season of drought, that not enough rain happened. So uh, Abu Sufyan uh, tried to create a, a, a pretext in a way 
that he can pull himself away out of this war. So he goes, uh, his statement was like this, O tribe of Quraysh, nothing will improve the condition you are in but a fruitful year, a year uh, during which your animals feed on plants and bushes and give you milk and uh, milk to drink. And I see that this is a rainless year. Therefore, I am returning now. I recommend you to return with me. Uh, when Abu Sufyan made the statement, uh, the the army of Abu Sufyan seemingly seemed like uh, they were also not really excited to go and fight Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that was a result of not only Ghazwatul Badr but after Ghazwatul Uhud, many small uh, battles that happened. They were aware of the authority of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they were not really interested in fighting him at this point. So uh, they, uh, without showing any kind of reluctancy to the offer Abu Sufyan made, they went back along with him right away. Now, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the Sahaba they they waited at uh, at Badr for eight days, uh, waiting for the. Uh, for the enemy because uh, they made the promise that they will meet so Rasulullah sallallahu and Sahaba were waiting. But while they were waiting uh, and the army was not showing up, so at that point they uh, they did do some sort of a buying and selling over there and they made, uh, uh, they made some profits just by uh, doing some sort of a trade over there. But uh, the army of Abu Sufyan not showing up to fight uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and and the Sahaba, that itself uh, gave the Muslims upper hand here. So Rasulullah sallallahu fulfilled his promise to show up, and the kuffar they did not show up to fight now. So that shows the strength of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his army and the Islamic state that was established by him over there. Uh, now, uh, just so, so the different uh, books talk about this Ghazwa, Ghazwatul Badr, uh, uh, with different names. Uh, one of the names is called Ghazwatul uh, Bil Badr al Mu'id, which is the appointed time of the Badr, or Badr al Thaniya, or Badr al Akhira, or Badr al Sughra. Sughra because it was a, it, really the battle did not happen. Uh, after Ghazwatul Badr al Sughra, was over when Rasulullah was returning to Medina. Uh, the, the peace prevailed, the security prevailed in Medina. And, and now the Muslims were in much more comfortable position of, uh, because they basically thwarted all the enemies and uh, uh, Rasulullah and Sahaba now really had time to propagate Islam now also. So for about six months, uh, there was a time there was a, no real military activity happened, and uh, but after six months or so, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was reported about some tribes in uh, in the area called uh, Domat al Jandal. Uh, that was an area that was a, a border of Syria, uh, and they were involved in highway robbery, and they were pl plundering the wealth of uh, of the people, and uh, and they were thinking about heading towards Medina. Now see. Uh, this area, Domatul Jandal, was uh, uh, was quite far from from Medina. It was between uh, Medina and uh, and Syria. But Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was always aware of the surrounding uh, surroundings area, what was happening there, and he used to have his uh, people being sent out to collect the news about any kind of activity was happening around. It was not like a 
Rasulullah is waiting until he has been attacked. And then they were thinking about what to do at this point. Uh, that shows the, uh, the statementship of Rasulullah uh, that how he was uh, well aware about the surroundings of, uh, of the Medina as well as internal affairs of Medina as well. So because that was his job. And this is how Islam looks at anyone who is in this position of uh, ruling over the people. This is their job to take care of the affairs of the people. Okay, so that's what Rasulullah was doing and showing as an example for the, uh, for the future uh, uh, leaders of the Muslim Ummah. So now today, anyone who talks about Medina state, he should, rather, he should better look into what the Medina state was. As we know of today's leaders like Imran Khan today would come up and say that he is establishing Medina state while on the, uh, on the other hand, when he's asked about what about the Uyghur Muslims in China? And he has no uh, idea what was happening to the Muslims over there. So uh, uh, just doing the lip service is not enough uh, to say that we have a, a state like Medina. You, we have to act accordingly as well. So uh, anyways, moving forward about Domatul Jandal. Uh, about the Domatul Jandal, Rasulullah found out about those troops, uh, those tribes are moving towards Medina. So right away, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now in this case, he put another Sahabi as the uh, person uh, uh, to take care of the affairs of the Medina behind him. His name was Sibah uh, bin uh, Arfatah al-Ghaffari. So he's the one who was disposing the affairs of the Medina while Rasulullah sallallahu was not there. Now in this time, Rasulullah sallallahu took uh, the, about 1,000 Muslims uh, along with him in, in the, uh, almost at the end of uh, Rabi al-Awwal of the fifth year of the, the Hijrah. Uh, and Rasulullah took uh, with him a person named Madhkur, uh, and he was from, the tri uh, from Bani, Bani Udra uh, as a guide, so he can guide Rasulullah and his army towards the area of Domatul uh, Jandal. So while they were moving there, Rasulullah did not want the, those tribes because they were highway robbers. Uh, and highway robbers, I mean, what it means by that is uh, 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 whoever they were finding, they were uh, looting them. And uh, it was not really they were f doing some sort of a, a military invasion or something. It was more of a, they were doing the robberies uh, and looting the people. So Rasulullah, the way he, he was moving towards them was he was, uh, tra they were traveling during the nighttime and during the daytime, they used to hide. So the, the purpose was, so they, the, the Rasulullah and Sahaba, they can take them by surprise as well because they were highway robbers. They're not into the kind of a war situation we're talking about. They were just there to, uh, uh, to loot the people, caravans or any of the tribes. And that they want to do the same thing with the Medina as well. So when they, uh, Rasulullah and Sahaba, they, they, they got near to their destination uh, all these people, uh, the uh, highway robbers, uh, they ran away. And they left all the uh, cattle and, uh, 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 and even the shepherds uh, behind. And the Rasulullah and Sahaba, they were able to capture all. And uh, the Rasulullah, uh, he, uh, he continued to look for the, the, the people over there, the ones who were doing all the looting of the people, but uh, they, they ran away and they were not able to uh, detect them. Now, while Rasulullah was uh, returning back to the Medina, 
uh, he did uh, make some peace treaties. And one of the peace treaties was made with uh, Uyayna bin Hassan. Uh, and uh, the Domat al-Jandal is located about a distance of 15 days march from Medina and five days from the, the Damascus. So it was more closer to Syria than to, uh, to Medina. But Rasulullah so was, uh, was able to make another treaty, peace treaty, along with them. And uh, uh, making peace treaties, uh, let's not forget that as part of uh, the job of the state, if the state seem, uh, see that uh, th there is a benefit for the state to, to make the peace treaty uh, with any of the tribes. And those treaties are, uh, are done in a, in a timely manner, meaning they are bound by time. Uh, because at the end of the day, as Muslims, we have to propagate Islam to the whole mankind. Uh, that will, they, they will have the option of accepting Islam as a, as a deen for individuals or not, but uh, Islam has to be uh, spread to the, to the whole world. So that's uh, one of the things about, because this is a deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we would like, uh, this is an obligation to spread this mercy of Islam to the mankind. And it's not for just one uh, race, one group of people, one uh, area or anything, because Rasulullah was the prophet who was sent for the, for the whole mankind, unlike the other prophets who were sent for specific nations. Okay, and now we understand that, that the job of Rasulullah has been transferred to uh, the Ummah of Muhammad which means it is a job of the Muslims today to do the very same job. Now, uh, uh, so now uh, Rasulullah uh, uh, came back to Medina and uh, this was uh, the time when uh, uh, the, the uh, first of all, the Arabian, this area, Muslims were, have about almost a year now uh, without any kind of a, a huge war. Now, the Yahud, specifically from Banu Nadir, uh, they gathered uh, uh, their leaders and the ones who were exiled to Khaybar, uh, and some of them went to, the, uh, to Syria as well, as I mentioned, they, 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 they were watching what was happening uh, since uh, Banu Nadir was uh, kicked out of the Medina, that how uh, those small battles were happening between Rasulullah and different tribes, and they were hoping that uh, Muslims will lose. But uh, Muslims were not only the, the winning those battles, but the strength was continuously growing. So their hope of Rasulullah and Muslims to lose the, uh, the, the, the foothold uh, was of no avail. So uh, now what they did was they, they gathered about 20 uh, chiefs of, of the Jews uh, that included uh, uh, their high-ranking leaders from Bani Nadir. And they went to Mecca. And that included Hayyai bin Akhtab. Hayyai bin Akhtab was one of the leaders of uh, Bani Nadir. As we talked about last week uh, as well, he was the father of uh, one of the Umhatul Mu'mineen. Uh, Umhatul Mu'mineen, uh, her name was Safiya bin Huyay bin Akhtar. Uh, so he, uh, he himself went along with those 20 leaders of the Jews to Quraysh. And now they wanted to uh, uh, provoke the Quraysh again. Quraysh, as we talked about, in the last battle of Badr, which is the Badr Athaniya, they kind of already disheartened. They were not in, uh, really into fighting with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, uh, even they have said to these tribes also, or the the, the Yahudi tribe of Bal Nadir uh, and their leaders when they came. 
hostility towards these uh, these Muslims. The only thing we had, the issue was that uh, we don't like the deen. Uh, uh, leaders, uh, the, these Jews leaders who were there, they were continuously reminding them, and not only that, uh, they were uh, reminding them to that they will support Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, sorry, the Quraysh, and also the other tribes as uh, 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 of the surrounding Medina, Banu Ghatfan, and Ghatfan, uh, and uh, uh, many other tribes that we'll talk about, that they will also support. Uh, upon which uh, Quraysh asked them uh, that, uh, okay, whose religion is better? Now, the Yahud were mon monotheists, meaning they, were, they, they worshiped God, and they were very well aware of that worshiping idols is, uh, is, is not allowed. And, uh, and Muslims were also uh, the ones who were uh, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But because of their animosity towards Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they right away, their response was that the, the deen of the Quraysh, uh, which was worshipping uh, idols, the, the mushrikeen, that their deen was better than the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they continuously were provoking uh, the Quraysh, and Quraysh were, uh, were willing to uh, fight, with, uh, fight along with Banu Nadir now. Now, <clears throat> upon hearing that, uh, uh, the, the, from the south, which is from south of Medina, uh, they were able to get uh, uh, they were able to get some of the support uh, from uh, uh, from from the Quraysh and uh, the Kinana and other allies from Tehama, and they were able to rank up about four thousand soldiers under the leadership of Abu Sufyan. Now, uh, from the east, uh, Banu Nadi was able to gather. Uh, Banu Ghatfan, Salim, Bani Murrah, and Bani Ashja, and some of the other ones. And they all headed for Medina to fight against Rasulullah. So they were able to gather about the army of about 10,000 people, 10,000 men who were going to fight Rasulullah and the Sahaba in Medina. And if some of the reports talk like this, that if they were able to attack Medina with a surprise, they would have been uh, literally uh, run over uh, all the men, women, and children if Rasulullah was not ready ahead of time. And that was again, the uh, statementship of Rasulullah and, and whenever we read about Medina time period, we should always remember what we are learning in the life of Rasulullah in Medina. Uh, he, is, uh, he was a head of the state there showing the people how to run the affairs of the people, along with uh, all, all the individualistic life as well, as, as, a, as a family person, as a, uh, as a husband, as a father, uh, uh, as a judge, as a uh, head of the army, and on and on. All those things Rasulullah was doing. But as a whole, he was a, a, a prophet who was ruling over the people. So when we read Medina life uh, time, we should always remember that, keep this in mind. So that was his part of his statementship that he was well aware of the surrounding. He was aware of who was doing what against or for, uh, for the Muslims in Medina. So he, he was given the news ahead of time that uh, uh, there were different ahzab, a different group of people 
they were gathering to attack Medina. Now, Rasulullah وسلم, he gathered the Sahaba, and the one who are uh, who who are the military leaders who know who, uh, how to fight, and uh, he was get, taking the advice from the Sahaba how to uh, take care of this kind of a threat that's coming up. Uh, so different uh, uh, different uh, advices were given to Rasulullah but uh, uh, Salman Farsi, radiallahu uh, an, who was who was from uh, was a Muslim who came all the way from Persia to Medina, actually looking for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, inshallah, probably some other time uh, we we can talk about Salman al Farsi uh, as well. Uh, how he entered into folds of Islam. He went through. Uh, many different uh, difficult times uh, to just to look for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and I really think that's a topic of its own that needs to be discussed. But uh, just to give uh, the headline of it, he had to go through uh, uh, literally like uh, uh, six different cities that he traveled to get to. Uh, Medina, and uh, he found Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam according to the uh, according to the uh, the we got prophecies that were given in the previous books, and he he recognized Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he accepted Islam. But um, anyway, so here he's the one who was from Iran, uh, who became a Muslim. First, he was a, a majus, a fire worshipper, became a Christian, and from Christian he became a slave to a, a Jew, and then from there he became a Muslim. Now, uh, when uh, uh, he's the one who was who lived in Persian Empire from from Iran, uh, not Iran, from Faris, and uh, he uh, uh, he gave a suggestion to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, telling him that how the Persians used to take care of external threats by digging up uh, trenches. So the Arabian uh, Peninsula people they were not aware of this kind of a defensive mechanism. Rasulullah uh, accepted this uh, specific uh, advice from Salman Farsi and Sahaba and Rasulullah they were assigned to, uh, to do the job of digging up uh, uh, the trenches and um, there were about 10 people were assigned uh, with a specific area was given to each to, to, to dig up. And the subhanAllah, some of the Sahaba, they started kind of arguing about Ansar, arguing whether Salman Farsi was from them or Muhajirin were saying Salman Farsi was from, from the Muhajirin. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said he is from Ahlul Bayt, he was from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Um, it's just a side thing. And the, when, while they were digging up the trenches, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself was involved in digging up the trenches uh, as well. And uh, he used to uh, say these, kind, uh, these words, Allahumma la Aisha, uh, Allahumma la Aisha illa al ansar. That uh, there is no real life except the life of the Akhirah, except of the life of the hereafter. And uh, please, Allah uh, so forgive uh, the Muhajireen, uh, the immigrants, and al the uh, helpers, uh, the one from Medina. So uh, this is what they, they used to, uh, Rasulullah used to say while he was uh, helping uh, digging up the trenches or khandaq. Uh, and this is why, by the way, uh, this uh, battle is also referred as uh, battle of khandaq because khandaq is the word for trench uh, in Arabic uh, or is also called ghazbatul ahzab. Ahzab meaning 
there were different groups they gathered to attack Muslims in Medina. Okay, uh, so while this uh, battle was going on, the condition was very tough. It was a winter time, uh, very windy, and uh, uh, Muslims were, of course, because of the now imminent uh, attack, they were uh, they were digging up the trenches to protect the entrance into the Medina uh, from the areas where they were they were not surrounded by the mountain. Now uh, they, they they also had uh, uh, lack of food to to the point. Uh, one time, Abu Talha. Radiallahu an, he said that uh, we went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to show how hungry we are and uh, they, 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 they removed their, uh, the upper garment to show their stomach that uh, there was a stone tied to the stomach to, to, to reduce the pain that is caused by if you have not eaten for a longer period of time the stomach goes in so if you tie the stone that helps to uh, alleviate the pain and uh, when he did that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uncovered his uh, upper garment to show that they had one stone and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had two stones tied to his stomach. Uh, this hadith is reported by uh, Imam Tirmidhi. Um, that shows, the, uh, again, uh, taking it back to the very same idea of, look, uh, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was uh, leading the people, he was, not, he was leading by an example. He, he, and he is, uh, he is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the people are going through some hardship, he is the one who has more hardship, uh, who's facing more hardship than, than, than them. So he was taking care of uh, the affairs of the people in a manner that their needs are uh, more important to him than, than, than himself. And uh, there were some incidents happened uh, while this, uh, all this uh, digging for the trenches were happening. Uh, if you want to call them some miraculous uh, things happened. One was uh, uh, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, it's because they were hungry and all that. Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu an, he had a small uh, sheep or a goat, and uh, his wife uh, uh, cooked some uh, cooked, cooked the sheep and uh, uh, used some barley and requested the Jabir bin Abdullah to go and get Rasulullah with some of the ashab so they will be fed. Now, when Rasulullah was told about this, he called all the people who were digging the trenches. That was about a thousand people. Now, the food that was there for only for a few people, but uh, Rasulullah showed up, but this is part of the, 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 the miracles uh, from Rasulullah, one of the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that uh, that uh, small amount of food was enough for all, the whole 1,000 people Rasulullah brought along with him. And they all uh, were, were fed Rasulullah along with him. And, uh, and even after that, oh, the food was still remained in the, in the pot and there was, uh, the, or the dough that uh, was, bake, was baking was still there. So that, that's one of the, uh, the miracles that happened uh, during the Ghazatul Ahzab. Second one was, uh, one of the sisters, uh, 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 one of the sisters among the Muslims, the sister of Nu'man bin Bashir, she brought some handful of dates to give it to her brother and her uncle. Rasulullah, she was passing by, Rasulullah saw her and she asked her to, uh, to, to get, pass the dates to, her, to him. And he took the dates and he covered it with a cloak. And uh, he invited the Ashab again for the dates. And uh, they all ate the dates. And while they were eating, those dates were continuously increasing to the point 
they, everybody ate and you, you, could, you, you could have seen that the dates were falling off of the, under the cloth. Uh, the third thing that happened, and these are the, uh, the, the miracles, of course, that are associated with the prophets, and this was one of them associated with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, was the third one was uh, the Sahaba when they while they were digging up the the trenches, there was a there was a rock that they were not able to break, so they uh, they called Rasulullah to find out what to do, and Rasulullah took the spade and he struck. Now when he struck the rock, uh, a spark came out. There are different narrations about this, by the way. One of them talked about a spark came out. Uh, 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 other one just said Rasulullah after he hit that and he said that uh, uh, he said, that first he said, Bismillah, Allah, Akbar, and hit it, and he said, the keys of Asham uh, are mine. Uh, and he said, I swear by Allah, I can see his palaces at the moment. Uh, now, the second time he struck uh, again, uh, and he said, Allah, Akbar, the Persia is mine. I swear by Allah, I can now see the white palaces of uh, Madin. And for the third time, he, he struck and then he said, I swear by Allah, I can see the gates of Sana'a. Sana'a is in, uh, in Yemen while I'm in uh, my, my, my place. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gave Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the glad tidings of the, uh, glad tidings of the future that uh, how the Muslims were going to open these lands. And uh, we are well aware of that this happened uh, in a very short period of time later on uh, in general in the life of, uh, it partially happened in the time of Rasulullah and Abu Bakr and Umar al-Khattab in general. Uh, so, uh, but interesting part about that is this. This was a very difficult time for the Muslims and the Sahaba. And, uh, they were going through the difficult times. And at this time, Rasulullah is talking about opening of the lands, which were basically talking about two under two superpowers, Romans and the Persians. And Rasulullah gave the glad tidings that the Muslims will be uh, opening those lands, meaning they will become uh, the one who will be ruling over the world. Now, during all this, what is happening, the northern part of the Medina was the the one that was the most vulnerable. So that's why the trenches were dug up over there. And uh, in the south was the, basically, uh, Banu Quraida was there. But uh, the Banu Quraida, Muslims, Rasulullah had the treaty. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about that, uh, the, the situation the Muslims were in. وَلَمَّا رَأَوا الْمُؤْمِنُ الْعَزَابِ قَالُوا هَذَا مَا وَعَدْنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَصَدَقُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَمَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا إِيمَانًا وَتَسْلِيمًا Meaning that when the believers saw Ahzab, these, all these groups, or confederates, they, they, they said, this is what Allah and His Messenger had promised us. And Allah and His Messenger, وسلم, had spoken the truth and it only added to their iman and their uh, submissiveness uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they saw all those confederates were gathering, that did not uh, uh, do anything but they increased the iman now. Now, so these, uh, the Muslims, Rasulullah gathered up was about 3,000. And Rasulullah himself was heading them. So they came out to uh, uh, encounter the mushrikeen. Uh, and uh, uh, so, the, so as far as their mind goes, they, their mind was filled with this deeply rooted idea that the victory comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it will come from Allah azza wa jal. Now, uh, 
when uh, when the, uh, some of the mushrikeen when the, especially uh, when uh, when the quraysh they came they were not aware of all these uh, uh, these uh, this, this whole idea of trenches they did not know they never saw this kind of a defense uh, mechanism so uh, they they were confused and they were just looking for some way of crossing uh, the trench and that uh, at, at from one of the sides uh, there was a, there was a person named Amr bin Abdulwood and Akram bin Abi Jahl and Dirar bin Al Khattab. These three, along with some of the fighters, they were able to cross the trench. Now, when they crossed the trench, uh, uh, Amr bin, uh, bin Abdulwood he came down from his mount and uh, he wanted to fight one on one. And Ali radiAllahu anhu came from the Muslim side and uh, he said he did not want to. He said to uh, Ali that uh, I don't want to kill you, uh, uh, nephew. And Ali said, but I want to kill you. And uh, they had the duel and Ali radiallahu an, he went ahead and he killed him. Now, after that, uh, Ikraman and Dirab bin al-Khattab and the others, they, they, they ran away. So they, they went back to uh, the Mushrikeen side. Now, uh, besides uh, uh, these events, um, when uh, uh, one of the events that happened was the, during this uh, uh, fight that was happening between the, the Muslims and uh, the Mushrikeen, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, he was struck by an arrow. And uh, that arrow went into one of the veins in his arm. And uh, the blood started coming. And uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, he made the dua at that time. And the dua, he said, Oh Allah, you know nothing is closer to my heart than striving in your way against these mushrikeen, these, uh, uh, these kuffar, who, uh, who belied your messenger and banished him from his town. Oh Allah, I deeply believe that you have decreed that we should fight them. So if there is still more fighting to go with them, let me stay alive in order to strive more against them. And if it has settled down, I beseech you to ignite it again so that I breathe my last in, uh, in, uh, in its context. And he concluded uh, concluded his application by saying to Allah Subhanahu not to let him die until he had full revenge on Banu Quraida. See the reason Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiAllahu an mentioned specifically about Banu Quraida was Banu Quraida was an ally of uh, of uh, of Aus, the tribe of Aus, and Sa'ad bin Mu'adh was a leader of uh, of Aus. Now Banu Quraida in this battle. In the beginning, they allied with Rasulullah, they continued their covenant with Rasulullah but they broke the covenant. And they, they betrayed Rasulullah So Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, he wanted to make sure that, uh, he made dua to Allah subhanahu ta'ala that keep him alive so he can take care of Banu Quraida. So, uh, and then I'll, I'll talk about Banu Quraida also, how they did it, so the, uh, the context of why Sa'ad bin Mu'adh was making this dua. Uh, so while all this was happening and the uh, kuffar were not able to cross the trenches, now Hulay uh, bin Akhtab, from, uh, uh, the one from the Bani Nadir, he went to Banu Quraida and he talked to Ka'ab bin Asad, the head of uh, Banu Quraida. And he really wanted him to break his uh, covenant with Rasulullah and uh, when Kaab bin, uh, bin Asad al-Quraidi, al al he saw him, uh, he right away shut the door. When he saw uh, uh, Huyay bin Akhtab, he shut the door. Uh, but Huyay bin Akhtab, he continued to 
uh, it was very persuasive, continuously talking, reminding him of, of uh, how Rasulullah treated the, the, the Jews, and he was asking for his help. Uh, his persistency, even though he did not want, uh, uh, Ka'ab did not want it in the beginning to break the covenant, uh, he was able to convince him, Hayyar uh, bin Akhtar was able to convince him, and uh, they openly broke the treaty against Rasulullah. Well, when they broke that treaty, now these Yahud they they started to uh, they started to make their army ready for to fight against Rasulullah as well. And uh, Kaab told Huyay uh, that uh, that he will uh, he needs some time to prepare the army uh, to fight while there are some of the Yahud they enter into Medina. And one of the reports that mentioned by Ibn Ishaq that talks about uh, Sufiya uh, bin Abdul Muttalib the mother of uh, Zubair bin al-Abwan, uh, she, uh, she saw uh, a, a Yahudi was lurking around and uh, she told Hassan bin Thabit, he was an old man and he was left with the women and the children to protect them. She, she told them, go and kill this Yahudi, he is uh, lurking around and uh, he is suspicious. And she, uh, they, they were aware of uh, Ban Quraida uh, breaking the treaty. So uh, Hassan bin uh, Thabit, he said uh, he is not able to do this kind of an action. So Sophia went uh, Abdul Muttalib. She went ahead. She took a tent pole and uh, she hit him with uh, she hit the Yahudi with them and she killed him. And now she even asked uh, Hassan to go and take the armor and his clothes away from uh, the, the Yahudi uh, because she says she's a woman, else she would have taken the clothes uh, the, and the armor off him. So Hassan said he has no need of that and he did not even uh, collect that. Anyways, now when Rasulullah heard about uh, Banu Quraida breaking the treaty to Rasulullah he sent four of the leaders, uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, Sa'ad bin Ubadah, Abdullah bin Rawaha, and Khawat bin uh, Jubair to find, go and investigate what's going on. Is this true that they have broken the treaty? And he told them that if they have really uh, broken the treaty, do not openly come and say to the people they have broken the treaty, just give him uh, some sign. Uh, that they have broken treaty, so they, they will take care of uh, this issue also. If they have not, then you can uh, openly say it that they did not break a treaty. They went in there, they talked to uh, Ka'ab bin Asad, uh, uh, and uh, they found out that it was uh, really true, and they were openly coming against Rasulullah And uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, uh, because he was an ally with Banu Quraida, he reminded, uh, uh, reminded Banu Quraida to stick with the treaty, but they did not, and they started saying, we don't know who Rasulullah is, and uh, they started uh, saying bad things, and uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, he just said, we have no need of uh, talking to you, and he left. They came back to Rasulullah and they mentioned to Rasulullah about uh, the situation. Now, the situation, the problem became pretty bad, because uh, Banu Quraida was supposed to be protecting the Muslims on one side and, and the, the women and children were between Banu Quraida and the army of Rasulullah on the other side in the trenches. So that's a very problematic situation the Muslims were getting into. Now, uh, about this, Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in the Quran, uh, the, the situation the Muslims were in, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Ahzab that in the ja'ukum min fawkum that when they came as you from above 
from below when you, uh, you, your eyes shifted in fear and uh, he, uh, hearts reached the throats and you assume and you started doing zan about Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, doubting about Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Uh, so of course talking about some of the people. The, the believers were tested and shaken with severe shaking, severe kind of a test they were involved in. The Muslims were in a very difficult situation now they were in. Now, now the Munafiqeen who were among the, uh, the Muslims, now they started making fun of the Muslims. And they started saying things like, oh, you are giving us the hope of the uh, you will take over the the, the Rome and the, or, or the or the Romans and the Persians and, and the Yemen and all those uh, leaders you will take over and uh, this is what we are end up with. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says about them: وَإِذْ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ مَا وَعَدْنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِلَّا غُرُورًا And when the hypocrites, munafiqeen, and those in whose heart is a disease of doubts. And Allah and His Messenger promised us nothing but delusion. So this is how they started talking about uh, about the Muslims. Uh, and the, there are other ayat were revealed as well regarding how the Munafiqun were dealing with it. Now, if you if you think about it, uh, whether uh, you think of Qazwatul Ahzab of that time or in today's situation as well among the Muslims, uh, Muslims are. Uh, in the many times, many a times we are in a similar situation. Many different uh, nations are gathering to attack the Muslims to take over uh, the Muslim nations one by one. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have uh, a state like the state of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that would be uh, would be sincere in taking care of the affairs of the Ummah to defend the Ummah, and this is why. We are in such a mess. It's not the numbers. It's not the the wealth. It's not the uh, uh, the resources that, def uh, that 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 can bring the victory to the Muslims. Uh, that that brought the victory to the Muslims in the past or even today. It's the help of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Yes, as a Muslim, we always prepare in all the fronts. But at the end of the day, victory comes from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and uh, it, it came from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the past. And it will come again for the Muslims even today and in the future as well. As long as we fulfill uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. Okay. So now, uh, uh, talking about that, then uh, uh, in that situation when the Muslims were in, um, so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked the Sahaba now, Muslims were surrounded from all, uh, all the sides. And uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, actually, there was a there was an incident happened that was uh, that was that was happened in the favor of the Muslims. And uh, there was a Sahabi. Uh, his name was uh, Nuaym bin Masoud. He came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, there are different uh, uh, pronunciations. Some some of them refer to him as Nuaym bin Masoud. Others say Nuaym bin Masoud. Uh, regardless, so this Sahabi, he was from from Ghatafan, and he became a Muslim in this difficult times. And the people of Ghatafan were not aware that he has become a Muslim. Okay, uh, and uh, he came to uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, he told Rasulullah sallallahu that he's a Muslim. Tell me what to do. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu said, uh, in the war. War is a, is a deception, 
you can do whatever you want to 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 push this this enemy away and uh, prior to this Nuaym bin Masud Rasulullah was actually willing to give one third of the crops of Medina to uh, to Watafan to to get some help from Watafan, make the treaty with them, so they will go away and take one third of it. Rasulullah so uh, went to the Sahaba and talked to Sahabi Mu'ad and Sahabi Ubadah to tell them that like, this is what he wants to do. Rasulullah uh, Sahabi Mu'ad and uh, Sahabi Ubadah, the leaders of Aus and Khazraj, they asked Rasulullah, is this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered you? Or this is just your own personal decision? Rasulullah said, this is not the command of Allah, this is my personal uh, the decision, so I can move them away and help the, 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 the Muslimin. The response was, while, while we were worshiping idols, we did not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that time, these kuffar, the ghatafan, the, the, the would not be able to take a single date from us, either they buy from us or we give them as our guests. Now we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on our side. How can we give them the, uh, the, the, the dates to, to, to get protection from them. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam changed his uh, opinion now and he did not want to give the, uh, to make that treaty with Ghatafan. Now, as I said, so Naim or Naim came to Rasulullah Rasulullah told him, you can do whatever you want. Now he went to, uh, he was of his own single person. He went to uh, the leaders of uh, uh, first he went to Banu Quraida and he told them you know me who I am uh, and uh, they said yes you are a righteous person we, we trust you and uh, he said okay look you guys are going to live in Medina these people from Ghatafan and the people from, uh, from Mecca they will go back whenever the battle is over you have to live with Rasulullah and Sahaba what you, what's going to happen to you after they are gone so if you really want something from yourself or yourself, you better ask Rasulullah sallallahu uh, you better ask uh, the Quraysh uh, and the Qatafan uh, to give some of their leaders as, uh, um, uh, as part of kind of a security and protection for you. So they cannot just leave you like that. Uh, they send this, he said, yeah, that sounds right to me. And uh, it's a sound, uh, sound right to us. And they uh, now Naim he went to uh, he went to Quraysh, and he said the similar things other way around. He said it seems like uh, uh, Banu Quraida they have actually uh, they 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 are going to not break the treaty with Rasulullah and they're not going to support you anymore. So, and uh, they might ask, they, they have made a deal with Rasulullah that they will, uh, to prove that they are with Rasulullah, they will take some of your leaders and hand it over to Rasulullah Now, uh, they, they, now the Banu, uh, uh, now the uh, Quraysh were kind of uh, confused that this is problematic. We cannot give our leaders or some of the leaders to them uh, uh, and they, they will kill them. So now, uh, they, they were kind of have some uh, second thoughts about Banu Quraida. And he went back to Watafan, his own tribe, and did the same thing. Now Watafan and Quraysh were kind of uh, not trusting Banu Quraida. Now, uh, when they asked uh, Quraysh and the Watafan asked Banu Quraida to, uh, Quraida to attack Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
Now Banu Quraida, they said, well, today is Yom Sabbath, meaning uh, this is a Saturday, we cannot attack uh, on Saturdays. That's one thing. Second thing is we will fight, uh, we, we will attack Rasulullah after you give some of your leaders as security for us. So now uh, the, the, uh, the Quraysh and the Qatafan, they realize that the Banu Quraida uh, have some issues and they're not going to fight along with them. So now they were thinking about going back. Now, while they were, uh, uh, this whole thing was going on, the, the weather was very bad. As I mentioned, it was very cold. It was very windy, dark, and they've been stationed outside the Medina for almost a month now. And uh, they, they were going through all the hardships and they did not want to also stay uh, outside either. Uh, at that time, Rasulullah and Sahaba were also in a, uh, in a very tough situation. And uh, one, of, one time Rasulullah asked during that time to the Sahaba, who can go to the camps of the Kuffar and get the news of them? Look, that included Ashra Mubashra, the 10 Sahaba who were given the glad tidings in this world meaning Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and, uh, and other, uh, Abu Bakr bin Jarras, uh, and on and on, uh, and all of the Sahaba, none of them was willing to go and get the news. <clears throat> and then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had to appoint Hudayfa, radiallahu anh, to go, Hudayfa bin Yaman, and go and get the news about the enemy, and where about the enemy was going on over there. And he went there, and he got the news and uh, he was told that do not make any trouble, just get the news and come back. And Hudayfa mentioned in one of the hadith that at one point he had the clear uh, uh, chance of attacking Abu Sufyan and killing him, but he did not because Rasulullah gave him the specific instructions. And anyways, <clears throat> now the, uh, when, uh, uh, when Nu'aym bin Mas'ud, when he created some sort of uh, uh, some sort of a confusion among the, uh, the Ahzab of, uh, of the Kuffar and they had some mistrust among each other. So now Ghatafan and, uh, uh, and, and the Quraysh and all the tribe they, who came along with them, uh, they, they could not uh, bear the hardship that was happening there and they returned back to, uh, to Medina. When they went back to Medina, now this is the time this is the time that the Sahaba, this, uh, this battle, by the way, happened in the fifth year of the Hijrah. Uh, uh, the the Shawwal of the fifth year of the Hijrah. Rasulullah and Sahaba now, after the Ghazbatul Ahzab, they really had the real power of Medina and the surrounding area. And as a matter of fact, one of the hadith of Rasulullah says that from now on, uh, we will not be attacked, we will go and attack. So now Muslims will have the upper hand and they will move forward and spread Islam from there on. So uh, that was uh, the end of Ghazbatul Ahzab. Uh, all those Ahzab who were trying to invade or uh, run over Medina, they went back. Uh, and uh, inshallah, in the next week, we will uh, talk about how Rasulullah took care of Banu Quraida uh, after uh, Ghazbatul Ahzab. So, uh, inshallah, if there is any questions or comment about uh, today's subject, I'll inshallah try to answer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com. 
as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.